Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that lays at the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to stand, to stand upon heights that are higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fear, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness of truth. And so the right to set aside our former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. For the fulfillment of this commandment, written in the letter of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, there are three fateful commanding and foundational actions. This is to set aside, renew, and clothe. And as we heard, that from the fulfillment of these three fateful commanding and foundational requirements will depend whether or not we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or rather into vessels of wrath. Or rather, will we perfect our salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed that yields a deposit of our justification in the salvation given to us, which, in these three actions, is necessary to place into circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus in order to gain it as a belonging in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will lose justification given to us in the form of a deposit forever. With regard to this, we have stopped at the 18th Psalm of David, which uncovers the contents of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High. <laughs> Knowledge and proclamation of the powers that are contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God had allowed David to love and call on the Lord in order to be saved from our enemies. And for God, knowledge and the proclamation of the truth, uncovering the powers of His name in the heart of David, gave the basis to use the powers of these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David, along with David. Psalms 18 verses 1-4 through 4, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. 
Let us please all together proclaim these eight names. The Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my strength in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. Let the Lord hear these words, and may He make them reign in our hearts, and may He make us immovable, firm in hope, and awaiting for the salvation of our soul and the adoption of our body. And so we are continuing to study the name, Lord, You are my strength, and in Scripture, the strength of the Most High is one of the names of God as well as one of the unchanging characteristics of God. In Hebrew, the word strength, relating to God and His Word, contains such unearthly virtues, such as the strength of the name of the Most High is, the constructive and contrite force of the words of the Most High, it is the power, might, and potential in the Word of the Most High, it is the possibility of the Most High and the capability of the Most High, it is the truth of the Most High and the holiness of the Most High. It is the wealth of the Most High and the abundance of the Most High. It is the steadfast and loyalty of the Most High to His Word. It is the unbrokenness of the Most High and the beauty of the Most High. It is the immutability of the Most High in form, in quality, and condition. Here are these definitions that are contained in the name of God, strength. Lord, you are my strength. And now we are asking, am I interested in having a relationship with this kind of God? Because He shows His strength in His Word. And if I correctly collaborate with His Word and fulfill His commandments, then God is going to be strength. But if I begin to distort His commandments, and if I begin, if I begin to dishonor His name, that strength that protected me is going to turn against me. Jesus said, whoever falls on me will will crumble and whoever I step on will be trampled on. It is our decision whether we collaborate with God, whether we collaborate with Him in the word that He gives us, or should we instead refuse to have this kind of God and perhaps find a God in another religion. There are quite a bit of them. Every day a new religion is made up. But the faith of Christianity says that God shows His strength only in His word and an incorrect relationship toward His Word, toward the Holy Spirit, and all of that which is tied to His Word and the Holy Spirit, and this is His Church, they are His messengers, and an incorrect relationship toward them is going to cause God to show His strength against these kind of enemies. And so, before us stood four classic questions. First one, what characteristics does Scripture endow the strength of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose in our relationship with God are the powers contained in the strength of the name of God Most High intended to fulfill? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to give God the basis to reveal the potential of His strength in battle with our enemies in the face of the old man with his works and Saul who searches to destroy us? And fourth, by which signs should we test ourselves that in our heart abides the powers of the strength of God Most High? We are continuing to answer the second question. And again, let's read it. What purpose in our relationship with God 
are the powers contained in the strength the name of God Most High intended to fulfill. We have already looked at two of the purposes, and today we'll talk about the third one. But very quickly, let's remember the first two purposes. And so the first one, the first purpose of the strength of the name of God Most High is called to, in our earthly body, to cast into the sea the chariots of Pharaoh and his army in order to finally destroy the power of death in our earthly body and drown it in the deep waters. Exodus chapter 12, verses 2 through 6. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father is God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sink to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. So here, Pastor highlighted for us how God reveals His strength. Scripture says, the Lord is my strength. Why? Because He is my God, and this is not enough. He is the God of my Father. So God, under the name strength, cannot be my God if first he was not the God of my Father. And under the Father, Pastor Akadi allowed us to see our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he showed in their example how they were immersed into the death into these deep waters and how they arose in victory. And then, correct collaboration through Jesus Christ with God, the God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, brings us to full victory. For example, Moses. What did Moses do? Moses needed to stretch out his scepter. And then all of a sudden, the Red Sea uh, was separated. What is this mystical staff? There is no mystic here. He correctly collaborated with his fathers. Before being sent to service, the Lord told him, here is my name, a forever remembrance, and Moses, remember it. And in this is the mystery, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your fathers. That's it. He practically here gave him the power on the basis of which he can do wonders over Egypt. And Pastor had showed how these three men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were immersed in the death, and in these three images, he had shown the essence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if Abraham, upon making a sacrifice, he received the promise, then Isaac became the sacrifice, uh, illuminating Jesus Christ. And Jacob, in the image of the Holy Spirit, took the blessing for us and placed it in the sacrifice, Isaac. Therefore, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as Pastor wrote, is the God of our spirit, the God of our soul, and the God of our body. So, the full salvation of all of our essence. And when we collaborate with these fathers, with this truth, this foundational truth, then we can say, Lord, you are my strength. And to become a partaker of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is possible only through Jesus Christ, who came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we, through Him, when we are immersed in Jesus Christ, we are immersed, having believed from the Gentiles, including Germans, Ukrainians, uh, 
Spaniards. We are immersed in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the promises he had given them through Christ when we are immersed in baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire and make a covenant of blood, salt, and rest and fulfill the will of God which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And in doing so, we receive through Christ Jesus access to all of those promises which he has promised to our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or rather, our fathers. Not just those who say we are circumcised, we are Jews, and he is our father. He is our Father also through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we simply must be found in Christ Jesus. And this was the first purpose. The second aspect of the purpose of the name of God Most High in us is to push the peoples to the ends of our land, which is our earthly body redeemed by God from sin and death. Here it is said about the next patriarch, Joseph. Joseph whom Jacob gave birth to. There were 12 patriarchs, and God, our, our pastor focused our attention on Joseph, the choicest of brothers, and those promises that he had given Joseph. These blessings are the blessings of the bride of the Lamb. Deuteronomy 33, 13-17, And of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew, and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull, and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. His strength. This is the quality of the church, his strength. His glory is like a firstborn bull, and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Here, Pastor had revealed for us a beautiful blessing in which we see the precious, precious means strongly desired by the church. But for these precious things, these strongly desired blessings to become ours, it is necessary to show our partaking now, not just to Abraham Isaac, but also to Joseph. How? Through our birthright. Of Joseph it is said that his glory is like the firstborn bull. And here we are offered the opportunity to place ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is now the firstborn. In Christ Jesus, we have this birthright. And in order to affirm this birthright, we need to show the dignity, the dignity of this firstborn bull, and the horns are like the horns of the wild ox. And under these two horns, Scripture offers us to see the ten thousands of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. These are two other patriarchs that had came from come from Joseph. And here the Lord, in these two names, showed that he is capable of forgetting resentment, bitterness, and he also makes our heart fruitful. Therefore, in order to show or to keep his birthright before God, it is necessary for us to show these two horns of a wild ox, Ephraim and Manasseh, and we must say, Lord, I thank you that you have forgiven me, justified me, but doesn't end at this. This is the first horn. The second horn is, I thank you that you have prepared my heart and have made it good 
in order to offer the fruit of righteousness from justification so that then the fruit of righteousness can be offered the character of Christ in relations with one another we forgive one another and all kinds of suspicion uh, resentment begins to fall away fall away from our essence so that we have no place for it in our essence there are two purposes of these wonderful patriarchs Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Joseph and then were presented for us the two horns of the wild ox which were the ten thousands of Ephraim and there are the thousands of Manasseh let us move on to the third purpose and so the third purpose of the strength of the name of God most high in us is to remember the Lord our God for he gives us power to get wealth that he fulfills the covenant he made with our fathers in the limits of our good land It is evident that our good land is an image of our earthly body in whose account in Christ Jesus God placed the unsearchable riches of Christ containing in itself the redemption of our earthly body from the law of sin and death in the dimension of time. Wonderful. On our accounts in Christ Jesus is pl are placed the unsearchable riches of Christ on our account in our body in the heavenly bank there is an account that is open for us and it turns out that we have great riches great riches that have been placed on the account of our body why was this never preached about before on in whose account in Christ Jesus God placed the unsearchable riches of Christ in whose account our earthly body image of our birth earthly body in whose account let us read Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 17 through 20 then you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God take a look if a person is not obedient to the Word of God scripture says that all of his strength God is going to turn against his own people why because the people stood in opposition they stood against the Lord and so for us in the strength of the name of God most high that is called to give us the power to gain wealth not go in the opposite direction we in the image of riches which God hid in the depths of the promised land will continue to study the mystery of the undying and unsearchable treasure of Christ that is called to be revealed in our earthly bodies in the dimension of time we today are going to talk about riches and we're going to check how rich we are Ephesians chapter 3 verses 3 through 8 how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men 
as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here, Pastor had highlighted in this place of scripture, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, this mystery of Christ, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. So God, in each generation, reveals His mystery of that riches that is found in the count of their spirit, soul, and body for every generation, even greater and brighter and more. And we must know this and use this, that that mystery that we hear today, it was not preached in such a way as it is opened and preached about today in the clarity, in the beauty, and in the shape that it is in today. Apostle Paul in his time said, I have these revelations that before me no one knew, but he said these revelations are going to be expanded by apostles of other genera generations, especially before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be revealed that which was not even revealed to us. And so based on what we have read, read first, the mystery of the imperishable and unsearchable riches of Christ contains the fullness of the redemption of God that is intended by God for the redemption of our bodies from the law of sin and death. And second, it is possible to enter into the inheritance of the mystery of the perishable, of the imperishable and unsearchable riches of Christ comprise the redemption of our bodies from the law of sin and death only one way, through the good news entrusted to the apostles and prophets of the Most High. And so, riches are the fullness of redemption that is going to be revealed through the preached word that God has entrusted to His apostles and prophets. This mystery, this mystery of the imperishable riches. If you are asked, please tell me, the mystery of imperishable riches, we tell them this is the fullness of the, of the redemption of Christ, which includes also our body, which we accept through the preached word which God entrusted to His apostles and prophets. And so the good news entrusted to the apostles and prophets of the Most High is the power of God that is able to lead us into the inheritance of the mystery of the imperishable and unsearchable riches of Christ that was not preached to the former generations of the sons of man in such a way as it is today. And to accept the treasure of redemption and its constructive and contrite power intended by God for our earthly bodies in the dimension of time, it is necessary to have the power of the strength of the name of God Most High in our heart. I'll remind you that we are studying what does the name, the Lord you are my strength mean. And if our heart does not contain the power that is contained in the strength of the name of God Most High, we will not have an opportunity to accept the imperishable and unsearchable riches of Christ because only the powers of the strength of the name of God Most High abiding in our heart gives God the basis to reveal the treasure of redemption for our earthly body, which is expressed in the release of our earthly body from the law of sin and death. And so to remember the Lord our God 
in the sense that He gives us the power to gain wealth so that He can fulfill the covenant that He made with our fathers means, first, to be and consider ourselves holy unto the Lord and act towards ourselves as though we belong to God, and secondly, to affirm our calling in Christ and be holy unto the Lord in the sense that we are to honor the Lord our God with tithes and offerings from our first fruits. And despite the fact that the whole earth, with all of its works, is called to be the blessings destined for our body, which is the property of the Heavenly Father, the eyes of the Lord abide constantly only on the land of Canaan, which He chose for His friend Abraham and his descendants. So God created the whole earth, but His eyes look only at the land of Canaan. Furthermore, we should pay attention to the fact that Canaanites, the descendants of Ham, inhabited not only the land promised to Abraham and his descendants, but also Egypt and the limits of the Ararat mountains. So Ham inhabited not only the land of Canaan, but also Egypt and the limits of the Ararat mountains, the former Roman Empire from where they began to spread throughout the land. However, the best and the fertile part of the land of Egypt was called Goshen, which means the land of the rains, which bordered on the promised land. And despite the fact that it belonged to the Egyptians, it was given by Pharaoh to the Israelites and was inhabited by the Israelites. So this land Goshen in Egypt in the times of Joseph. When through the power contained in the staff of Moses, who contained the authority the strength of the name of the Most High God, God sent a hail to the land of Egypt. In the land of Goshen, there was no hail. For Pharaoh to know that the land of Goshen where the Israelites lived, which Pharaoh considered his property, was in fact the property of God. Let us read where this is written about. Exodus chapter 9, verses 25 through 29. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. So he continually had proved to Pharaoh our thinking, our mind that has not gone through death, that this body is your belonging, so that you know that the body in which the Lord had made His riches and His promise is God's. And so the Egypt's li Egyptians living on the land of Egypt is an image of a carnal person who lives in his body, who considers his body his own property. So who is a carnal person? This means he says, this is my body. What I want to do, I do. I do, uh, I do tattoos, I smoke, I do drugs. This is my own body. Whereas the Israelites, living on the land of Egypt, which was called Goshen, 
is an image of a spiritual person who lives in his body but acknowledges that his body belongs to God. Here you go, the beauty in this. We are Christians, or are we not Christians? Are we Egyptian or are we Israelites? Israelites said, this earth is the Lord's. And the Egypt said, no, this is our property, this is our belonging. And so, we must know that all wars that people have with one another are led in order to gain fruitful lands. For the riches contained in this land and the strategic geographic location of the land. And so the earth, its depth, and its strategic geographic location for building certain strongholds is the equivalent of the totality of all the wealth available on earth. So does our body represent the riches over which there is a battle over? Of course it represents. Take a look how Pastor interestingly wrote that all wars, if the fruit, if the land is fruitful, if in there are certain riches, if the body is found in the correct place, a geographic location in the body, then this person represents the interests of God and this person represent, is, uh, is then interested in by devil because devil wants to make man his own and God wants to make him his own. And there are battles and wars that are led for this people. For what kind of a person who has placed his body in the chosen remnant of God, who has accepted the promise for his body and who has prepared his heart to accept the revelation of the word of God. This is a deficit. They're, these people are as rare as gold and heavens and hell war for these kind of people. Considering that under the wealth that determines the value of the land, we consider the wealth contained in our body, then the sum of all wealth is the redemption of our body from the law of sin and death and the raising in our body of the law of the spirit of life that makes a person a partaker of the divine nature. The next component of imperishable riches, we today are talking about riches. Lord, you are my strength. And the Lord says, I thank you. Now listen to me closely, so that you never shall say that, that strength of my hand I gained through my own riches. He says, you swear by my name, Lord is my strength. And you did not gain these riches through your own strength, but you collaborating with the name of God's strength will gain these riches. And now we are looking at how we, collaborating with the God's strength, begin to gain riches that are placed on our account. How can they be taken off this account? We need to hear about this first and foremost. Apostle Paul warned right away, that which I tell you, this was not revealed in such a way to other generations. And what the apostles are going to say in their time during these end days before the coming of Christ, they're going to see more and more this promise. The next component of the imperishable riches which we must inherit through the power of the strength of the name of God Most High is the first part or the first fruit of the earth that we will view as the image of our body and the dignity of first fruits yielding what is holy unto the Lord. So talking about riches, Pastor continually pays attention to the land, the body, the land, the body. Why? Because there on this field, in this land, is the treasure. And we already know about this. Why? Because you are paying a certain price. And we together are paying a high price. Why? Because we have understood that on our field, there is a treasure. Let us take a look at what Scripture says regarding the patriarch Gad. Deuteronomy 33, verses 20-21. through 21. 
And of Gad he said, Blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion and tears the arm and the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself. Why did he provide the first part? He understood the promise that relates to the door of hope, and he momentarily called this the first part of the earth, because the lawgiver's portion was reserved there. He came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. The name Gad means joy. This is a component of the blessed fate intended by God for those saints who will provide the first part for themselves. In Hebrew, the word first part or first fruit means initial state, boss, the best part, birthright, old times, old state. Proceeding from the meaning laid down by God in the word first part, it follows that we are talking about the original state of the human body in which there was no sin in the face of the old man with his works. And therefore, initially, the body was uncorrupted. And in order to establish the original incorruption in his body, the first man had a choice, either to eat the fruits of all the trees of paradise, including the fruits of the tree of life, thanks to which the law of the spirit of life was called in the body of man, or encroach on what was holy unto the Lord and partake of the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in order to inculcate corruption in the body and establish the law of sin and death in it. And therefore, to provide yourself the first thing of the earth is to choose a promise relating to the door of our hope, which is called by the law of the spirit of life, to free our body from the law of sin and death. Having made such a choice, we will be honored by a blessed lot or a happy fate from the lawgiver, which by the law of the spirit of life will free our bodies from the law of sin and death. And in order to inherit the inheritance we have chosen, we will come with the heads of the people and fulfill the righteousness of the Lord in the judgments with Israel. The heads of the twelve tribes of Israel in our hearts are the image of the twelve names, the patriarchs, in which the names of God the Most High are hidden. Called to fulfill the righteousness of the Lord in the judgments of the Lord, ratified by Israel on the tops of the mountains of Ebal and Gerizim. However, to make such a choice between curse and blessing, one must be able to reject the evil expressed in encroachment on what is holy unto the Lord and accept the good expressed in tilling the land of the Garden of Eden and guarding its limits from the intruder's intrusion and then eat the fruits of all the trees of the Garden of Eden, including the fruits of the Tree of Life. So, those same steps that were given to the carnal Adam they today are offered to us through Christ Jesus to us. This is the uniqueness of it. This Adam, people say, well, friends, we should not point fingers at Adam, the patriarch, our father. The thing is, is that we are found in that same Eden, and we also, like he, turn our backs against God. We must grow in the tree of life that we must till the land of the Garden of Eden we must protect it from the encroachment of the intrusion and then having grown the fruit of all trees we must eat of it including the fruit of the tree of life we show god through this eden that we are in christ jesus and we have the right to eat of the tree all that is written in the book of genesis is repeated in the life of each individual person until he dies and he simply shows 
to what tribe he belongs to. The ability to make such a choice that is necessary to come to the full measure of the stature of Christ in order to, out of a puppy of a lion, to become a mature lion, able to wrest in its nature from the power that is contained in the strength of the name of God Most High, which can crush the muscle and head of the enemy in our body, the power of death. This is seen well in the phrase, He dwells as a lion and tears the arm and crown of his head. From the image of this phrase, it follows that the arm we must tear in our body with the strength of a lion is an image of the strength of reigning sin, which is referring to the power of the part of our soul that answers to the sphere of the will, the one our will is found under the control of reigning sin, of a person. He has said, oh, this person, he has a neck that is stiff. This is dangerous. Our lion must contrite this. And the crown of the head that must be torn in our body with the strength of a lion, the strength of the name of the Lord, is an image of the authoritative sphere of the reasoning in our soul, over which stands reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. So to break the arm of reigning sin and to tear the crown of his head, the rational sphere of the soul, which has not gone through death. It is well known that the power of any government in any country or in any state is maintained and exercised by the power of that power in the face of the army or military militia. Within the boundaries of our government and the dignity of our body, can the power of the reigning sin be located, having in its submission the power sphere of our uncircumcised soul? Similarly, the power of reigning grace, which reigned through the righteousness of our faith, which contained in submission the same power sphere of the soul that we lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and found again in His resurrection in a new capacity. Summing up this component of wealth follows that if by faith we did not prepare our body to meet with the Lord in the clouds, the potential of wealth destined for our body, which God commanded in the oath to our fathers, can never be revealed in our body. And as we've repeatedly stated, the untapped potential is a dead potential. Let us take a look at the next component. The next component of imperishable riches which we must inherit through the power of the strength of the name of God Most High is building our body into the house of God in which the power of the strength of the name of God Most High is called to abide and dwell. Take a look here, an interesting purpose. What we must do, we must build ourselves into the house of God so that in it can dwell the name of God Most High, the strength of the name of God Most High. How do we do this? How do we build this house? Let us take a look. In what kind of house? God wants to dwell. When we purchase a house, each person has his own taste. What is God's taste? What kind of house would He like to uh, find His strength in? Second Chronicles 6, 5-6 through 6. Since the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there, nor did I choose any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. 
Yet I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Take a look. How selective the Lord God our strength is. He says, I have not chosen one city or one person or any limit of Jerusalem, but I chose Jerusalem for David. Turns out that he found David's heart to be a place and the God's strength wants to dwell in David. And given that David was in Jerusalem, God also had loved Jerusalem. People say, well, who cares what kind of church we go to? Well, take a look. Here's a big difference. Let's read. The unsearchable riches or wealth of Christ is viewed as our organized partaking to Israel in the face of a specific congregation of saints, at the head of which stands a person chosen by God and given the powers of representing the fatherhood of God. Outside of an organized partaking to the highest Jerusalem and recognition of authority over oneself in the words of the word about the kingdom, it is impossible to have the unsearchable riches of Christ intended for the human body. Because we are called to receive all the promises in Christ Jesus exclusively through people who, in each separate meeting of saints, are chosen and endowed with the Holy Spirit to represent the authority of the fatherhood of God for this assembly. Second Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through apostles. In order to confirm this thought in the scripture we are examining regarding the wealth that we are called to inherit in this sanctuary, arranged in our body by the strength of the name of the Most High God, let us provide another place of scripture, although in reality there are a great many. So Psalm 78 verses 68 through 72, the teaching of Asaph. God chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. Take a look. He chose David, uh, the Mount Zion, everything that David is tied to, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. It should be immediately noted that we get the opportunity to be the inheritance of God under one condition when we in turn choose the sanctuary of God as our inheritance. And if you noticed, the building of our body into the house of God is designed to meet the strict requirements of the truth contained in the teaching of Asaph. So it is specifically the teaching of Asaph that shows how we can become the house of God where God could place His power and His strength. And the name Asaph, the name Asaph means the collector or the Lord took care of someone. From the semantic meaning of the name Asaph, it follows that this is the image of the Holy Spirit who takes from Christ and gives us. Just like Asaph, he took from David and was handed over the choir he created. Therefore, the teaching of Asaph is an image of teaching that builds the order of the hereditary transfer of the Church of Christ, the insurgible wealth of Christ intended for our body. Summing up this component of wealth, it follows that if we do not recognize above us the status of the Church of Christ, 
in a particular assembly of saints headed by a person representing the fatherhood of God so that in the action of each member in his measure we can get an increment to build ourselves in love we instead of inheriting the unsearchable riches of Christ and the partaking of our souls to the body of Christ inherit the fury of fire ready to devour us as opponents of Christ Hebrews 10 verses 25 through 27 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together to forsake assemblies when people say well who cares where church is going to be but here we see a big difference we have read not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries So the Lord wants to make us His house in order to place His inheritance there. The inheritance that is prepared for us, and we must prepare a place for Him. We can't receive any inheritance because all inheritances that are found in heaven, they can be revealed through the name of God, strength. But in order for me to have a right to this name of God, strength, I need to create a house for him in order to create a house I need to say Lord can you tell me where the best neighborhood is where would you like me to build your home he said he says tribe of Judah mountain of Zion Jerusalem and Asaph will show you how to make this home the Holy Spirit will show you and in doing so uh, we do all of this and the Lord's strength abides in our heart and we receive the right through the Lord our strength to thank God for those promises and in a certain time to take them off of our accounts. The next component, we are today talking about riches, so that we do not say, the Lord of my strength has given me to gain all of these riches. No. The Lord of God's, God's strength allows us to receive an unsearchable inheritance. These riches are found in our body, they are found in heaven, they are found in our house, if the Lord comes there. The next component of imperishable riches, which we must inherit, the power of the strength of the name of God Most High, is hope in the promises accepted in our heart or our body. So, hope that was accepted in our heart for our body, this wonderful promise. This is a great riches for us. Proverbs 11.28 He who hopes in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Proceeding from the meaning contained in this parable, a person who hopes in his riches will fall. A person who hopes in the unsearchable riches of Christ, called to make our bodies incorruptible like a leaf, will turn green. Practically, in this parable, there are two kinds of mutually exclusive riches which irreconcilably are hostile and oppose each other on which a person hopes. And so, first, these are imperishable riches yielded by wisdom from above, which are for us the inheritance of God, preserved for us by God in heaven, in the sanctuary, and in our heart. And proceeding from the relations of Scripture, these imperishable and unsearchable riches of Christ are ready to be opened up in our body in the last times, 
related to the door of our rapture through the confession of our heart with our lips. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And these are imperishable riches. What are perishable riches? Perishable riches, called unrighteous riches, which in this parable prepare a person for the fall, as it is written, he who hopes in his riches will fall. However, no matter how sad it is, a person who hopes in his earthly riches cannot always see this. Because in his sick imagination, which is formed by emissaries of Mammon, he considers himself free from some kind of mythical spiritual poverty that only he knows. Proverbs 18.12 The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own esteem. A person that is carnal, scripture says, this is in his imagination. He thinks that he is rich, but this is only in his, his imagination. Just like today, there's a different kind of currency called digital. Can you touch it? No, you can't touch it. How do you receive it? Oh, I don't know how to receive it. It's digital. What if I forget the password? That's it. The secret word is for God, and that's it. Uh, access is not in, is, is denied. There is no bank. And a person thinks he's rich, but these riches can, in the blink of an eye, disappear simply at the press of a button. And that's it. All these riches are gone. When it's silver and gold, if someone says, if someone has gold in his house, he will be uh, arrested in 1971. This was enabled. When dollar was separated from the dollar, the, from gold, they said, Gold must be returned to the government. If it is not returned, he will be arrested. <laughs> People purchased gold, they gave it back to the government, and the government grew rich. We are talking about a different kind of rich, different kind of riches today. Scripture says, in this parable, a rich man is clearly visible from the parable of Christ, who every day feasted brilliantly in the midst of his friends, pleasing his soul, for which his friends glorified him. And when he died, and was buried with honor and sent to Abraham's bosom, he found himself in hell, in the torments of eternal flame, because he allowed the thorns of riches to drown the seed of imperishable riches. We find the same thought in the Psalms of the sons of Korah, Psalms 50, 49, verses 17-21. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing, his glory shall not descend after him, that while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. You shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish.
Here are what riches are that are found in our imagination, but have not been placed on our account in Christ Jesus. A person who is righteous hopes in the unsearchable riches of Christ, which is represented in wisdom from above and is the keeper of all immortal riches, riches in the dignity of Christ's redemption, called upon to reign the resurrection of Christ in his body, to clothe his body in the resurrection of Christ. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And again, we're talking about riches. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance. And the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. And my fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice, silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice. That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasuries, Proverbs 8, 12 through 21. And summing up this commandment of wealth, it follows that if we do not reject our hope in perishable riches and hate favor of hope in imperishable riches in the format of Christ's unsearchable wealth, we can never accept into our heart the powers of the strength in the name of God Most High. And therefore, not someone else, but we ourselves will be doomed to eternal destruction in the torments of hellfire. strong passage sums up everything we need to reject hope in perishable riches and aff affirm our hope in imperishable riches here is the answer and there's nothing else that could, that should be added to it the next component of imperishable riches which we must inherit through the power of the strength of the name of God most high is the reproach of Christ being greater than the treasures of Egypt. Today we are talking about riches. Riches and the reproach of Christ that are presented as greater than their treasures of Egypt. Hebrews 11.24-26 By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The reproach of Christ for which Christ's reward is given in the virtue of his resurrection is the poverty of Christ, with which we are called to be rich in order to reign the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body in the resurrection of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If we do not see and are not certain of the advantage of the reward of Christ, for the reproach of Christ, we can never refuse to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. So, if we do not see advantage of the reward of Christ, we can never refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
So we need to see the reward for the reproach of Christ. And in order to look upon the unsearchable riches of Christ, it is necessary to see them. And in order to see the unsearchable riches of Christ, it is necessary by faith to come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. As it is written, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he became of age, he was not an infant. When he was infant, he said, "When? Is, where is your mother? Mother?" He pointed to the daughter of Pharaoh. He didn't know that he had another mother. He said, "Mama," to the daughter of Pharaoh. But when he became a man of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He came to age. Only when we come into a certain spiritual age, we have the opportunity to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And the sign with which we should test ourselves to see if we have come to the full measure of the stature of Christ is according to our readiness and ability to suffer for truth with the people of God. When the people of God are subjected to total persecution and humiliation from the carnal Christians, that flooded the congregation of saints. This sign is presented well in the phrase, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. And the phrase, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward, means to prepare and put yourself in a position to protect the interests of Christ, which in practice means to accept Christ into your heart as the Lord and ruler of your life, so that the reproaches fall on Christ can fall on us. And to consider the situation for ourselves more wealth than all the Egyptian treasures. And in order to place Christ in ourselves, it is necessary to come to a certain spiritual age. And when we place Christ, or rather, we allow, uh, well, and his, well, when His Majesty sees fit to to enter us, it is when we build a house. I love the house of David. I love Jerusalem. I love the tribe of Judah. When we have built this house, then He can come there. Thus, we allow Christ to dwell in us, and when He dwells in us. Why the apostles rejoice for the name of the Lord? We found it worthy to, for the name of the Lord, we suffer for the truth. As Pastor interestingly wrote here, that for us, we do not we do not consider the Egyptian treasures wealth. The reproaches that fall on Christ are now called to fall on us. When we are in a carnal state, He protects us. He covers us with His grace, but He waits. He waits for we, we, like Moses, will come to an age and say, I no longer want to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want to be an organized partaker of Israel. And then you will suffer, He says. And then He weighed the sufferings of Christ, the poverty of Christ, with the Egyptian treasures and says, oh, the, tr- the poverty of Christ is riches, but Egyptian treasures, take a look at how people today, these Egyptian treasures, how they look today in Egypt. We today are talking about riches. Why riches? Because 
name of God, strength for us, gives us the right to receive, the right to use imperishable riches and unfading riches. And for none of us to say, I with my own strength, the strength of my own hand, gained these riches. I paid the high price and God owes me these riches. No, scripture says never say this. Make an atmosphere in your heart. The Lord will enter as the Lord's strength and from this position the Lord will help us take these promises. The next component of imperishable riches which we must inherit through the power of the strength of the name of God Most High is the necessity of growing in the fruit of humility in the good soil of our heart that is verified by the fruit of patience. To grow the fruit of humility that is going to be verified by the fruit of patience, by the ability to be patient. So, not someone that says softly, who stumbles in his words. No, a humble person can be a patient. Patient. He doesn't have this haste. He is ready to be patient because he knows the will of God. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Go look. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches. Riches in which is the glory and life. Uh, it is known for certain that the fruit of humility comes from the fruit of meekness. In other words, the fruit of humility is the expression of the fruit of meekness or the expression and demonstration of the product of meekness. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and meek in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From this example, it follows that without meekness, we will have no opportunity to show the humility that is presented in this parable in the dignity of a military leader, followed by officers of such a high rank as the fear of the Lord, imperishable wealth, glory of imperishable wealth, and life. All of these officers follow after the main commander under humility. If a person, using the rational and volitional abilities of his soul, does not put on the mantle of a disciple of Christ, recognizing the power of the preached word of the teacher, the person representing the fatherhood of God, he will have no opportunity to learn meekness that expresses itself in humility. The meekness of a person expressing itself in humility, confirmed by the fruit of the patience of Christ, will inherit the earth and all the treasures hidden in the earth, and enjoy the abundance of peace. Psalms 37, 10-11 Yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. This is talking about the old man. A little while, and the wicked shall be no more. The old man shall be no more in the limits of our body. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place. You will look at your body, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The same truth is expressed by Christ in His Sermon on the Mount, and by this statement confirmed, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, He said. We already know that under the inheritance of the earth, we mean the redemption of our earthly body, which was previously under the rule of the law of sin and death. Therefore, the inheritance of Christ's imperishable and unsearchable wealth contained in the promise that God intended to open on the door of our hope will be revealed in the bodies of the category of saints that has learned meekness, which is confirmed in Christ's patience. 
take a look. What a rich sentence, that the riches of Christ is going to be revealed in the bodies of that category of saints. The riches of Christ is the promise that lies at the door of hope in that body of saints that have learned in meekness to reveal humility. The meekness of the heart expressing itself in humility confirmed by the fruit of the patience of Christ is called to become the power of life in the earthly body of a man in the measure of time. Proverbs 14.30 A sound or a meek heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. In this parable, the meek heart is opposed to the envy brought into the heart of the man from the gloomy, gloomy depths of his old man, behind whom are the organized forces of darkness. Envy comes from the gloomy depths of the old man, behind which stands the organized forces of darkness. From this it follows that if a person does not grow meekness in his heart, expressing itself in humility and confirmed by the fruit of patience, his leviathan in the face of the old man, floating in the gloomy abyss of water, will swallow up his new man and transforms him into the image of the wicked. Take a look. We have two Leviathans in us, and if the Leviathan to the face of the old man wallows the other, then we are transformed into the image of the wicked. How does he do this? Through envy. What a word that is so familiar to us. Let this not be with us. It turns out that to swallow our spirit, this Leviathan, the measure to swallow our spirit is the measure of envy. This is enough to swallow up our spirit. And in our essence, there are two depths. We talked about Joseph, that the Lord said that he blessed the depth with these precious gifts of heaven. When he talked about depths, he said, we must draw a difference between both two different depths that have two different leviathans. And the goal of each leviathan is to swallow the other. As Moses had sw- has, with his staff, swallowed the other staffs of the others. And the evil leviathan in us, in the face of the old man, can swallow our spirit through the quality of envy. I need to write this in my notebook, envy. I highlighted this for myself, envy. This is that which can swallow up my spirit. People might say, well, my spirit is strong, firm. No, envy is going to swallow up anything. Our spirit also. We're going to continue to talk about meekness. Meekness of the heart, expressing itself in humility, confirmed by the fruit of the patience of Christ, will inherit the earth through a meek tongue, which yields the tree of life. A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Since we know that meekness is the bridling of our tongue and self-discipline, then we must know that the method of self-discipline withholds the expression of the envy of the old man and simultaneously applies pressure on it. This is comprised first in the discipline of righteous and good thinking, second in the discipline 
of professing good thinking. Third, in the discipline of sanctification, keeping our heart from evil thoughts. Take a look. In order for us to withhold the expression of envy of the old man, to apply pressure on this evil Leviathan, we need discipline. The discipline of a righteous and good thinking. So how do we not give a place to envy? How do we swallow it up through good thinking? Confessing good thinking. And third, in the discipline of sanctification, keeping our heart from evil thoughts. Proverbs 22, 17-19 Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge for it is a pleasant thing if you keep them with you let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord I have instructed you today even you for it to be in the heart and for it to be on our lips and he says also keep your heart from evil thoughts three disciplines of which pastor told us to have the word in the heart to have this word in our lips and to never forget that these two components are good under one condition if we can keep our heart from envy suspicion and resentment and so the first discipline of good thinking and a good confession is the way to prepare the soil of our heart for accepting the seed of promise which refers to the door of our hope. What does this discipline do of good thinking and good proclamation? It prepares me to accept the promise that relates to the door of hope. Second, the discipline of good thinking and good confession is the way to place the seed of the promise into the good soil of our heart. The seed which refers to the door of our hope. Here we also need an order, there needs to be a discipline. The discipline of good thinking, good proclamation, it allows us to place the soil that has been prepared in the first aspect. And third, the discipline of good thinking, good confession, is the way to keep our heart from evil thoughts. The good word about the door of our hope, placed in our heart through the discipline of meekness, expressed in humility and affirmed by the patience of Christ, becomes in our heart the reigning and progressing word of faith. Meekness is the altar of the Lord that yields the state and motives of our heart. This is meekness. Meekness is the altar and motives of our heart and humility is a sacrifice that is offered on the altar of the Lord which yields the motives and direction of our heart. Meekness, altar, humility, sacrifice. Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So he always looks and he never will reject the heart of the humble and contrite 
because this is a sacrifice to the Lord. But with God, we can speak only through our sacrifice. And we offer ourselves a sacrifice to God when Christ has offered himself. For what? So that, as Pastor said on Sunday, we need to have a relationship toward the sworn promises. And in order to have a relationship toward the sworn promises and to pray with the prayer, as the Lord lives and blessed is my protector, the Lord of my strength, we need to become ourselves a sacrifice because the sworn promises tell us that Christ has become a sacrifice for us. This is not just a promise. He did not give us a promise. Pastor provided lots of aspects in which he's shown what is the difference between an ordinary promise and a sworn promise. This is very important. What this phrase is that we heard today, that we read about, Pastor on Sunday said, as the Lord lives, how people swear. Scripture says that an oath ends all kinds of argument. When someone says, I promise that I will do this, I swear, and he says, I swear by my mom, or I swear, Jews say, I swear by Jerusalem, I will do this. Believe me, I swear. Well, give me, will do this, will help me, I swear to you. To the most precious thing that I have. This is a promise, but this is nothing. God swears, as we heard very beautifully, His sworn promise. It's not a promise. It's a sworn promise. It's not a promise after which if I don't do this, I don't die, or if I don't do this, my mom will be cursed. The most precious thing that I swore by will be cursed. But no, God says, I give a sworn promise. He says, all that I have promised you in my word, I swear that I will fulfill. And if I do not fulfill, I offer you the body of my son and his blood. And so that you can receive, a, before I give a promise, he is going to be killed on the cross. I will withhold my word. I will kill him on the cross and say, look, I kept my word. Here's my son. I have killed him for you. Here is his body and here is his blood. What do you think? That which I have promised you, have I fulfilled and am I able to fulfill? This is the sworn promise. And scripture says on Sunday, as pastor had said, God could not swear by anything higher. He hired God swore by His Son so that in these two immutable things in His blood and His body that went behind the veil for us so that we could have hope in the promise. So the difference between a promise where the oath is promise and a sworn promise, He provided in the fulfillment of the judgment over His Son and He said, look at His body and blood. Do you not think that I will not hold to my word, I have already held my word. I have already given him up as a curse on the tree. As a person does this, if he doesn't hold his word, he says, I'm sorry, forgive me, you know, you understand my position. Well, no, God says, for you not to think this, that you firmly hold on to the promise regarding the promise of hope. Take a look, 2,000 years ago, I had cursed him for you, that you could have this firm hope that goes in the inside beyond the veil so that we can hold on to this promise and thank God as the Lord lives. What is as the Lord lives? As we heard, Jesus said, I am living and was dead and will live forever and ever. And so swear by my name as the Lord lives. So live, live. Christ is risen. He has died, but he has risen. And all of that which God has promised me, his sworn promises, he will fulfill. Why? Because as the Lord lives, he died 
but he also has already risen. Therefore, we will thank God for those truths that we have heard on Friday and on Sunday, and which we today had read about, and we will make it the basis for our thanksgiving and our prayer. May you be blessed in your prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for the great privilege to be in this place that you have chosen. You have chosen, Lord. You have chosen the house of David. You have chosen, Lord, the tribe of Judah. You have chosen the mountain of Zion. You have chosen Jerusalem so that there your name could be spoken. We thank you that you, Lord, have chosen and selected the place of your dwelling, also us. And we want, Lord, for you to dwell in us and to live in us. And we, until the very end, are going to keep the trust which we hope in so that you can live in the temple of our body as the Lord and ruler of our life. We thank you, Lord, for the great privilege to hear about the great dignity of your disciple, the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we, Lord, have taken his yoke and his burden, and it has been found good for us and very light. Very light because we make it with Christ. Light because our old man who causes difficulties is not in use. It is easy for us because we do this with you and we do this as a great privilege. We thank you that you first have shown through the Son of God meekness and in meekness you, show, you showed humility and humility you showed long-suffering. Allow us to also to produce these qualities so that the God of strength can dwell and live in the temple of our body. As the Lord lives and blessed is our protector, protecting us from all of our enemies. As the Lord lives and blessed is our protector who has blessed us and blessed our bodies which are flourishing each and every day, hoping in riches will fall but he who hopes in the Lord is going to grow green as a leaf. We thank you, Lord, for your life, for your resurrection, that we hope not in perishable riches, but imperishable riches, which are kept for us, for your church, and which are ready to be revealed in these end days. And they are going to be revealed by the power that is in your salvation. And this power is found in you. Allow us today to collaborate with your power and with your strength. We thank you, Lord, for all of those promises that were placed on the account of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and on which and in which we enter through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that the time will come 
when the wicked will not be in our land, and our land is going to when there will the tormentor will not be there when the one who destroys nations will not be in there but when he is cast into the underworld we thank you Lord and as the Lord lives who is strong enough to, to do this we turn to you Lord and we thank you for your sworn promises we thank you that all of those promises that you have promised us you have already paid a price, the price of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, for your broken body and blood, for these two immutable things that go behind the veil. We thank you for your Son that has laid on the altar, that was laid on the altar. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who has taken the promise before the coming of the day and given it to the church and we thank you and ask that these promises be accepted by us and kept in the Eden of our heart that you can allow us to till the land of our Eden and to prepare us to prepare us to your coming that when you come to the Eden of our heart you do not search as you once searched for Adam we Lord no longer hide from you we no longer hide in our service in our talents in our gifts in our fasts in our prayers in our good we fully are before your glory allow us to grow the tree of life and you've allowed us to eat of the tree of life and we thank you for life for the fruit of holiness and for eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus we thank you Lord that we consider Egyptian riches nothing but we consider the great riches for ourselves the reproaches of Christ the poverty of Christ and we thank you that you lost all so we can be enriched by your poverty because your poverty is the true riches that is going to open the unsearchable inheritance that are placed on the accounts of our body as the Lord lives who is able to make all of this for his children as the Lord lives who with a noise is going to cast out the old man into the underworld and as the Lord lives who in the place of perishability will bring up imperishability in the place of death will rise up immortality and may death be swallowed up by your life may death be swallowed up and may curse be swallowed up may this Leviathan be swallowed up who represents the old man who swims and the deep waters the genetic inheritance passed on to the fathers allow us to swallow him with your meekness and your humility and do not allow him to swallow us with his envy with his resentment that we are not transformed into the wicked and as the Lord lives who is strong enough to give us this victory we thank you Lord for your word 
we thank you that you continue to open to us your truth. And we ask you, Lord, may our pastor, Brother Akadi, be given your word for your church, Lord, for your saints, for Zion, Jerusalem, for the house of David, whom you have loved. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be an organized partaker to your body and to have a legal right to these great promises. We thank you, Lord, that we hear them, that we keep them, and we affirm them. And as the Lord lives, who is mighty to fulfill that which he has promised in his word, we thank you for your sworn promises, for your Son, and for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, our Heavenly Father. May your name be blessed, and may it be glorified in Zion. Our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.